This is the Winning Plays Podcast on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider for the NBA's winningest franchise. Winning Plays Podcast is back. Celtics training camp is here. And wouldn't you know it, the team has made its first big roster move of the week. Blake Griffin will be signing a guaranteed deal with the Celtics this week. Should be in camp, maybe in uniform for their first preseason game on Sunday. And this... I'd have to say it was pretty unexpected. My name is Brian Robb. I'm joined today by my partner in crime at Mass Live, Suichi Tirada, who uh, actually had a a front row look at Blake Griffin back in the glory days in Detroit. Suichi is uh, a Michigan man for a Michigan State man, I should say, for in in his collegiate (laughs) days. Uh, A Detroit fan way back in the day. Poor guy. Um, But Suichi, so this is this was Blake has been out of Detroit now for for two years, I guess. Right. He, he, he got bought out like in the middle of the 2021 season, I believe. Yes. Yep. 2021 or yeah. 2021, 22 or 2020, 2021 was the year he got bought out. And so he's gone from 20 points per game. I think a couple (laughs) years ago, like in those, or maybe not that the year before that with Detroit to Mm -hmm. literally signing in the middle of training camp for a veterans minimum deal. It's been, um, it's been a bit of a fall for Blake. Uh, there's obviously been health issues. Not too surprising, though. Not too yeah. surprising, given what he is. But um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, the, the the backdrop to this signing, obviously, is the news that uh, Luke Cornett is going to be out for a couple weeks here with uh, mm-hmm. with an ankle sprain, and obviously on top of the Rob Williams and Daniel Gallar and Arnie. So the Celtics clearly need some front court depth here, Suichi. And mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, what's, there's obviously plenty of options out there, whether it was Blake or LaMarcus Aldridge or Carmelo. Like what, mm. where do you rank, like, where do you rank the fit out of those guys or any, at least any other guy that was out in the free agent market right now? Um, I mean, are they really, I don't know. Like when you talk about like Lamar Cristal, just Carmelo, like, are they really that different? I guess at this point in their careers, I guess Carmelo would probably score more, you know, and everything like that. But it's just kind of like, they're all, you know, former, very well-respected, very talented, former all-stars, but it's just, during the twilight of their careers, I think I think this is a good move. Um, obviously, like you said, it's a bit unexpected. Uh, it's kind of crazy to think about, but Blake's last like really good year was 2018-19. So it's what four years ago. It's crazy. Um, it was all NBA that year. He had like a 50-point game against the Sixers. Like it wasn't realistic, but early MVP hype. Like he looked really good that year. And I think um I was what I was really impressed as as you said, front row seat with Blake was um he kind of like he 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 matured his game you know like remember when he was like like first started out and like was an all-star and like his first year in the league like he was dunking everything right and like yeah. he didn't really have that much of an offensive game but now he does so I think in terms of the fit though with the Celtics like I wrote about it at masslive.com but it's just like I think one you don't expect him to play more than what like a dozen minutes a game because if you do that means you know it's either the rare night where Al is sitting on a back-to-back or something but like you don't one, you don't want Blake Griffin playing that much, but two, like you're not expecting him to be like some big contributor. Obviously, he got signed in the middle of training camp. So, but he he can still do some okay things. Like he showed a little bit, right? Like against the Celtics in the playoffs when he was with the Nets last year. Um, I think the big biggest question mark is just defensively. Like we saw Jalen Brown go after Blake like multiple times, just ruthlessly in the playoffs. So I, you can hide that in the regular season, not so much the playoffs, but I think this is mostly a regular signing, regular season signing, B-Rob. Like, I just don't – I don't think you're going to expect much from Blake. Maybe he has one good game where he turns back the clock, but this is pretty much, hey, we need somebody to eat minutes at the front court, 
especially with Cornette going to be out one to two weeks. Um, like who, who, like at this point, like who's the backup big right now? Like it's Al, it's Grant, then it's Blake Griffin, then you got Tom Gailey and all those other kind of unproven guys. So I, I think it's I think it's a good signing. Um, you know, I kind of thought about this. Like I don't think it's a bad idea. I don't think it's a bad idea to add a veteran voice in that locker room. Like Blake Griffin of all people knows what it's like when an organization is in turmoil. Like I remember uh, yeah. Donald Sterling and oh, the Clippers, fair. like obviously that's a different magnitude than what's happening with Ime and the Celtics right now, but it's just, you know, it's, I don't think it's a bad idea to add somebody well-respected, you know, and last year in Brooklyn guys. too. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like, last year in Brooklyn was like a different thing though. That was like a player thing. <laughs> yeah. That was a player thing. Yeah, that's true. That's it. Yeah. It's really different. Uh, different type of turmoil yeah. Yeah. um dysfunction yeah yeah so it's yeah if you brought up so let's talk about blake griffin in last year's postseason since that it, it's funny like we that's obviously everyone's last memory of him is you know he didn't even play the first two games of the first mm-hmm. round series it was kind of like in and out of the rotation for brooklyn towards the end of the year but then was clearly out of it when the series started and then he came in he actually played well offensively in game three, like, which I don't even remember that part, but he had eight points and a rebound. Um, he had like a couple of threes, I think. Yeah, a couple of threes, exactly. Yeah. He had a couple of open yeah. threes and, you know, kind of maybe because they were just searching for offense in that game. And so he started to foil a little mm-hmm. bit. And then he got a bigger role in game four. And I think that's what people really remember. And he actually was like a spark off the bench. He had four assists in that game was kind of, yeah. like you said, the the seasoning of his game that we kind of saw in Detroit as a bit of a playmaker was, was on display here. But then obviously... Jalen just, you know, kept cooking him in the fourth quarter possession after possession. And like you said, though, that is, I don't mind that because in the regular season, like, A, he's not going to be on the floor for those kind of moments, I feel like. And B, like, that's just not going to be their defensive scheme with him on the court period of like the switching. So, yeah. Like, and like personal wise, you can probably hide him a little bit more in the regular season, I think. Right. And then I also think it's just this idea that like, you, you're really, he's really like, I just don't think the Celtics, unless a bunch of injury happens, like they're not. I just don't think the Celtics are going to get get to the point, the same point as the Nets, where like Steve Nash was like just like throwing anybody at the wall. I feel like yeah. in games three and four, like I just think this team is too deep when they are fully healthy, and that's kind of the right. That's kind of the goal for the playoffs. Like it's basically like breaking. If you need to break this glass in case of emergency, that is Blake Griffin in playoffs next. You know, next spring, like then then you're in trouble. But I just don't think the Celtics. With their depth as of right now, necessarily need that. This is more for the regular season, which I think is a good thing. Exactly, and so to me, what it really is from you know once once Cornette went down, they got a you know a weak look at these guys in camp. Mm-hmm. They're like, uh, like do we really like how much do we trust Vonley and Jake Lehman and mm-hmm. you know, Kevin Kelly? Like, and I think what obviously what what Griffin brings is is the uh, the offensive upside element for mm-hmm. a backup big, and I assume like defensively, I mean, probably both sides where he's probably going to be playing like a center. Like, I don't think mm-hmm. they're going to be having him trying to guard even stretch forwards because that's just not mm-hmm. a smart idea. But he's a, a big guy who can pass the ball and traditionally can at least have a threat of hitting threes. He only shot, mm-hmm. that's like the alarming thing last year. I think he shot like 26% from three, but he's mm-hmm. a career 33% shooter. Um, and so that's at least something where if you can at least force defenses to respect him from that standpoint and make defenses pay for, you know, switching on to some degree and finding the open guy. That is something that, that will work with the second unit, especially when you have guys like, you know, you're playing with Brogdon and Derek White off the second unit. Like that's a, you know, you're going to have guys yeah. that are going to be able to set you up there. 
Yeah, yeah. And I just think, like, we, we saw it in the playoffs last year. Like, I think Blake's going to play hard. Like, I think he, like, at this point, like, you're, you're pretty clearly, like, in the twilight at the end of your career. Like, you want that ring. And I think he's just going to play really hard when he has that opportunity. So I think that's that's kind of an underrated part, too, of just, like, these veterans, you know, one last kind of thing. You know, like, we saw David West do it. We saw a bunch of veterans do it last decade. So I think that's that's the biggest thing. And I think that'll help, like, culturally. Like, you like some of the younger guys, like they see like Blake Griffin, like this dude has had so many injuries, but he's still going to go out there and play really hard and be really sweaty. So uh, I just think from from kind of the intangibles aspect that I, th- I thought there was some upside. Um, I, I am curious to see, like, I, I guess I, I don't really know too much about his like locker room presence or whatever, but on the Pistons, it was pretty like, you know, all the like that was a very young team when he was on the team um, and, and they praised him too. So I, I, I think in terms of the veteran aspect, I liked it a lot just because for all intents and purposes, he seems, he seems like a good dude. I watched some of his stand-up comedy and found it generally funny. So maybe he'll do a little bit of that in Boston. Yeah, I mean, he's certainly, like, he's out there as a personality. Like, where he's probably going to be mm-hmm. maybe one of the most more engaging quotes that we'll have in a locker room um, <laughs> for this upcoming season. So definitely not a, not a bad signing from that standpoint. And so now I look at... So it's it's let's look at like big picture at the roster now a little bit. So you have mm-hmm. he essentially gives I think we have 13 safe spots for the Celtics now. I think like Cornette seems to be pretty safe, even with this ankle injury. Mm-hmm. Sam Hauser. Um, and then Griffin makes 13. So now you're you're left with essentially six guys fighting it out for two spots yeah, on the rest I of the roster. And, like, if the Celtics don't like these six guys and only, like, one guy, they can keep one open. Yeah, so that's a really good point. Six guys for one one, one roster spot. Well, here's so. the thing, though. Would you, like, I almost think now they have to care because, like, you have Rob Williams and Gallinari out. So, you're, like, mm-hmm. even, say if you keep 14, that's literally yeah. only 12. And then at your healthiest. Yeah, that's if, a good at point. your healthiest. And then, which is, like, you know, 12 plenty. Like, you're probably only going to play, you know, 9, 10 or, at the most regardless. But then if mm-hmm. one more injury happens, it's like, uh-oh. Yeah, um, yeah. Though I do wonder, me... yeah, I was just going to say, like, I think Kevin Gelly would probably slide in. They would probably call That's him true. They have a two-way guy. So you're like 14. Like, yeah. You know. Well, I, I just don't see a scenario where J.D. Davis no, JD... like, <laughs> unless it's like a COVID thing, like Roderick Comics was kind of forced into some games. Yeah. Like a couple games, right? Like, and I guess if it's like a li- literal, everyone is like, you know, your, your other options are 10-day guys. I think that's pretty much it. But, yeah, I, I just think Kevin Gelly's one guy you can kind of move down. But otherwise, that's a good point. I don't know. Like, awesome. he might be freaking starting opening night now, I feel like. I, like, it, <laughs> I mean, depending on what – because if they had Luke Cornett out there for, like, <laughs> to start a train – we'll get into the train game a little bit right now in terms of, like, what's going on so far. But, you know, if Luke Cornett was – if the plan was to start Cornett with this, you know, as, like, you know, 10, 15 minutes of the starters each night, which is a, a way to bridge the gap and you can keep Grant Williams with the bench unit and – keep that kind of continuity going mm-hmm. and keep Al Horford at the four, which I think he likes. So now you bring Blake in, say Cornette is out for a couple of weeks and just isn't going to be ready for opening night. And they're not going to yeah. throw him into the mix. Like what are your options are? You can obviously the safe play would be like throw Grant in at the four. I think but it then, would be Grant, right? Yeah. But then, but then your bench guy, like your bench bigs are who Blake and <laughs> Blake it's and like, that's like guys yeah. who've like, have not been to the team. So I feel like, I wonder if they're like, okay, you know, who can small. we, who can we, they could go small too, but I, I, think, I, I Marcus, think that, yeah, you can Marcus, obviously Malcolm, Jason, right. Jalen, Al, you could do that. If you but really I want bet, Grant off the bench. But I 
I bet they really like, I feel like they really like to keep out the four and like don't want to be. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Especially the mileage. I just think the mileage thing is going to be such a huge thing with Al this year. I agree with that. Um, Cause then it's like, well, your options are Blake, Kevin Kelly, like Von Lay, if he makes the team and that's it. Yeah. At like center. <laughs> so it's it, like, and I don't know, like Jalen Tatum, they're, they're kind of talking up Kevin Ka- Kelly a little bit. Like, yeah, he I mean, like he looked good at summer league. He right. was like a spark plug, and he was hitting threes at summer league. I was like, all right, okay, yeah. yeah I was so like, okay, I mean, he played league. a full like it's he was a full year in the G League last year mm-hmm. after like being a late first round pick and then just never getting a chance anywhere really, or slash not looking good in LA or or Cleveland. And he's a but, little older. Yeah, he's twenty five. Yeah, he's twenty five. So a little bit older too. Yep. So um, that's I mean that's I mean we'll find out. Mm-hmm. I mean, like we're gonna have these preseason games and they're gonna be trying out stuff and we'll we'll get a pretty decent clips of it but that's that's my dark horse pick right now is that we're going to we're going to if cornet can't go that's that's your opening night starter at uh center well well he would probably be i mean i would assume he would get promoted from two-way in that regard not necessarily right? though right? Could, i guess not because they, they you don't need to yet not yet like i think like down the road like if he yeah if he, like if he comes a regular racer then, then like okay mm-hmm. then we, we need him obviously like maybe we're gonna use him in the playoffs we need to upgrade him. but for now it's like he can play 50 games on a two-way Without mm-hmm. having to be, yeah, that's true. Roster. That's true. Um, chaotic choice right now. Yeah, when we're speaking about two ways in terms of like not like a big guy, but just like somebody you can like throw out into the mix there. Sam Hauser might just be like, kind of but aside for just for the size aspect of things, yeah. right? Though, I don't know, I feel like Tatum playing the four is much more likely. And he, he obviously talked about that yesterday during practice. Um, I just feel like that's like he's just what like the second tallest player still, <laughs> even after the Blake. So right. I think I. I think he, I think that they'll probably tinker with that a little bit more, but no, that's a good point. I don't like know. Hauser, Hauser's a good name here. Like Hauser does figure a lot more into this rotation. Mm-hmm. Now I think he's kind of forgotten because he's not a true center, but yeah. like you're looking for, you know, who's going to, with Gallinari out, like, yeah, your default, like who's going to get minutes at the mm-hmm. backup four. If, if Grant plays the five is like Hauser, if they yeah, can get away with that small ball lineup. Who would have thought? Not me. I wouldn't have thought that when he got signed, but Hey, good for him. Seems clearly high on him and, and Luke. So it's it's gonna be. I mean, it'll be an interesting. I mean, Joe Mazzula has a thousand things on this play right now, but I'm very curious <laughs> to see just how he handles. You know, this is because this isn't like a a regular training camp from a <laughs> man. Like this is okay. You have two rotation players that are out till further notice. You still have a really good deep team here, but you have a bunch of other like mitigating factors where it's like okay. We ran Tam and Brown into the ground last year. We don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. Al Horford is not coming off of six months of rest in Oklahoma City this year. So we're going to have to, like, <laughs> despite his claim, well, are you believing in his claims that he's going to be playing back to backs this year? Are you nope. uh, meeting it? Nope. Yeah, like that. I, he might want to. Right. I don't, I, I mean, it could be a situation like I remember, like, there was like a Detroit, Indiana back to back on the road where they were like, Al's available if we need him. And then everyone's like, okay, I was going to play 20 minutes. No, he just sat it out. Yeah, so he's on the bench. I think that's more likely, basically. And he'll be in his warm-ups. Like, he'll be, like, dressed. But, like, I don't think he'll be playing, basically. And, like, I don't know. With Al, it just felt like there were, like, two to three times late last year before the playoffs where I was like, hey, Al, just, how are you feeling? Like, how are you, how are you feeling physically? He's like – Oh, you know, I'm okay. I'm doing good. I'm like, all right, clearly you're <laughs> clearly you're 35, 36 years old and you're tired. So I think that's I just think keeping Al fresh for the playoffs when inevitably, you know, in almost like you play Giannis. Like I just think that's that should just be their biggest priority, you know? 
Like they're this this roster's talented enough, talented enough to win fifty games. So I think I was telling a few friends, it's like I think the number one, like one of the biggest priorities for the Celtics and the Bucks this year is just making sure they don't meet in the second round again. Basically, like yeah. I just I don't think they want that collision course like around earlier, like last season. Hundred percent. That has to like the bracket in the East this year is going to be a bear, and that's but that has to be priority number one is just avoiding obviously what looks to be the your East co favorite um, as late as possible. Um, all right, let's take a quick break here to hear from our sponsor, Bet Online. NFL season is back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your football betting needs this season. You can find the latest football odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Game Online. And it's also your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, free contests, live scores, and giveaway. Fast is an easy way to bet on MLB as well, MMA, obviously the NBA season coming up, tennis, boxing, and even golf. So head on over to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with that first deposit. Make sure you use promo code CLNS50 to receive your rewards. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right. Any what other takeaways you have from training camp here? We we first of all, this is brand new. This is you're actually been able to go on the court for the first time. So you <laughs> training camp for the first time since you've been on the job. For those who don't know, uh, at the Arabac Center during you know the height of the pandemic, <laughs> we reporters were not allowed to converse or just you know get on the practice floor to to see the the drills up close or to talk to. A player here or there, but now Suichi has actually been able to get uh, boots on the ground. And uh, I'm curious, what, what's your your observations here from the first couple uh, days? Videos are a lot easier to take. Yeah, right. Sure. Instead of <laughs> all the way high up, right? Like if you were if you were wondering why the reporters' videos all sucked last year, it's it's because we had to go. You know, we were like we were like on a different floor, basically just looking at them. Whereas, like obviously for on the court, that's like a completely different uh, experience. But yeah, I I just think. The, the biggest takeaway I thought was just how normal everything seemed. Like, I remember, like, rolling up on Tuesday. I'm like, what are the vibes going to be like? Cause that's another thing, too. Like, you can kind of tell, right? Like, it's not like anything, like, it's concrete, like, numbers or anything. But you can kind of tell, like, if something is just kind of a miss and then, like, the players kind of maybe, you know, hint at it or whatever. But everything seems pretty normal, I think. You know, like, Joe Mazzula pretty much, I don't know how many times he says, he has said patience and just, keeping the players comfortable in the first, you know, four days of his tenure when we had been able to speak to him. And, and that's kind of the vibe I'm getting so far. And I think that's, that's a good sign of a leader, you know, it's realistically, you know, like we are sick, you know, as much as you're sick about reading about the email Udoka suspension, we are probably as, you know, B-Rob especially because I was on PTO last week. Like, <laughs> we're a sick to- yeah, right? Writing and reading and talking about suspension. And, but that's just, that's just how it is, right? Like, it's just something you can't ignore. And I think the fact that they have been kind of not like ignoring it, but just kind of like taking it in stride. I think, I think that's kind of the big thing so far um, in terms of all the other off court stuff. Yeah, I agree with that. It is, it's the, cause that can go one way or another, this situation, I guess. And the benefit I think to Missoula and the fact that why they put him in there is that you can tell that a lot of these guys are, are comfortable with him and have, you know, a relationship that goes back with him to 2019, particularly the mm-hmm. stars like Jalen Brown. It sounded like did a lot of film stuff with him, particularly last mm-hmm. season. Um, and so if you have the buy-in and the comfort level from those guys, and then obviously everything else is the same, like, you know, there's been no other shakeup to the staff really that makes it being like, okay, yeah, this is practice. It's just, you know, he not here. And like we can, that's weird, but we can, 
you know, kind of get over that in terms of what our focus is are from that standpoint. So it's going to be, I'm, I'm just really fascinated though, to see, like, I've heard a lot of things about Missoula, like from, uh, even before all this happened in terms of his, you know, his rise on the bench and how he was really good at scouting certain series and stuff in the postseason run last year and got, you know, some pretty high acclaim for that. And so now, now you kind of get to click when it's assistant coach for that stuff, you really don't get to know, like, okay, you, those guys don't get the accolades for that stuff, you know, at least, mm-hmm. you know, in real time. Now, now we'll kind of get to see here, okay, can he, you know, how much of that is going to be worked into his game plan on a nightly basis or, you know, kind of how he handles obviously everything else that comes with being a head coach. Yeah. I mean, his, his rise is like, I don't know if fans know this too much, but he was a division two head coach before coming on uh, Brad Stevens, you know, coaching staff. And yep. that that's, that's an amazing goal. Like you do head coach at NBA, you know, interim coach in the few years. So um, one other thing too is um, I don't know how you felt about a bureau, but like, I, I remember I was just looking around. I'm like, okay, there's the core of guys. And then you're adding Malcolm Brogdon. And I just think that was like, obviously it was a very, you know, huge move, impressive move during the off season, but that, you know, like actually like speaking to him and seeing him like practice with the team, like kind of put that into context. Like this team was at the NBA finals last year with this core. And then you add somebody like Malcolm Brogdon, like, Dude's a legitimate, like, I, you know, like, he's probably not, a, like, a perennial all-star by any means, but, like, dude is impressive. Like, he, he, like, he, his resume is very impressive um, and everything like that. So, and then the number one thing, right, like, sacrifice and buying into the team, and he's been all about that. So, he's been, he's, I think he's impressed me, too, just because I think he kind of jumped in front of that narrative, right, ever since the press conference. Like, people were like, how are you going to work with Marcus? How are you going to work with all these other guys? But, He's just been steady in terms of I'm. I just want to win, and and you know he knows what winning looks like. His third year in Milwaukee's last year, they won sixty games, and despite that, you know I wrote about it earlier this week. He still thinks this might be the most talented team he's ever played on. So you look around, and I'm like, okay, yeah, okay, I can see it. Like, you know, three months removed from the finals run, and they're trying to do it again. So yeah, it is. That's like the. And it's, I think it's really important for him to get out front of that stuff. Obviously, given the you know, situation of smart in terms of the question there, but now it should make uh, like the, the silver lining of all this injury stuff. is like, okay, they're going to have to go small a good amount. And that's probably like going to be in their best interest to like probably play those guys together to close out games, at least to start while yeah. Rob's out, because unless Grant is coming out and like looking like, well, it's just possible. It's possible. He could be, you know, you're closing four next to uh, Al Horford there then, but you might want just the added shooting and the added playmaking that Brogdon mm-hmm. can kind of provide in that front. So it's um, it'll be from a talent standpoint, they're not going to have this group together, obviously for a while with from mm-hmm. just the Rob aspect of it. But you do think that, you know, they can kind of hit the ground running here. And I think the schedule out of the gate is obviously tough with Philly and Miami, but after that, like November is not too bad. Yeah. So it should be able to get at least like, you know, something going here and give themselves a chance at a, you know, top three, top four seed in that span when, you know, they're dealing with the, the worst of the injuries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. We'll see. I mean, the injury luck obviously has not been great. And I just think it's the fact of what it happened, you know, like if Gallo went down and like in, in some ways, you know, if he was going to go down, like during the offseason, wasn't the worst time just because you can like, you know, there's still options on the free agent market. Right. Like, yeah, but the holdout, but it's just like, I just think with early season injuries, you know, like it's just one of those things where you, you just, right, like they can overcome Gallo's injury, but it's just like, you don't already want to be dipping into your depth, right? Like 
the first preseason game hasn't even happened. You're you're already we already have to talk about you know the depth and what they can do. And I just think so far, I mean, obviously it hasn't been great, but not not anything to be worried about yet. But it's just you hate to you hate to deep dig dig deep into your depth at this point in, in the season. I think so. We'll, we'll but like I said, you know, Brad Stevens and company has uh at least been able to kind of counteract that through through other options at least. So at least at least that's a small silver lining basically. Yeah. Well, we'll get a first hand look at that depth during next week. We got three preseason games coming up hot out of the hopper uh, starting on Sunday here. Um, and Suichi and I will be all over it at masslive.com. Make sure you are following Suichi on Twitter at S O U I C H I Tirada T E R A D A. And uh, we'll be all over Blake's debut. If he's in, what's your prediction? Is he, I assume he's, we're not going to see him Sunday because that's a pretty rough turnaround for him. Are we going to see him next week? in one of these games. So they just going to throw him out for 10 minutes or give him more time to get into shape. I think so about a third game, right? Cause they play basically like three this first week, then they're off for a week. Then they have the last one Friday. So I think right. the third game, I think the third game they'll try to, cause they'll be acclimated and everything. And like, you don't want, like, I don't know. I, he probably doesn't want his like only game action being that fourth game. So maybe that, but once again, the only caveat, remember, Juancho Hernan Gomez started the first piece. <laughs> yeah. It is very early. So very early. So not read into everything. Any overreactions? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Read, we'll read all of our stuff. Read into it. Exactly. But maybe not uh, who's, who's necessarily playing up there yet. Yeah. So very early. <laughs> oh, oh, Wancho. What a time. Um, <laughs> all right. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll be back with you guys next week to go through all that stuff. Make sure you rate, review, subscribe to the Winning Place pod. We'll be... Um, upping the pod numbers uh, as the season gets closer here. And uh, Suichi, as always, thanks for hopping aboard. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. All right. We'll talk to you guys next week.